Toby, uh, thanks so much for joining me. Welcome to the show. It's uh, such a pleasure to have you here. And um, yeah, I'm really delighted to have you on the show to talk about A Work, what you're doing. And I'm sure the audience is uh, very intrigued to hear about what you're doing, especially now with, with the big race. Yeah, Nick, I'm happy to be here. Happy to um, speak about A Work, uh, about what we have in store. Um, yeah, also a great day. Um, so let's kick it off. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, so then, to begin with, before we jump into AWORK specifically, I always like to talk to founders first about their background, about what they did uh, before coming to their current venture. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about Toby? Toby, I'm, I'm German originally. I was born in Dusseldorf, if that, that means anything to anyone on the on the podcast. Um, I then moved to Switzerland, however, spent a couple of years in Switzerland, moved to Sweden. Um, so I, I do speak Swedish as well, a bit of a Very nice. Nordic span. And then came uh, to to Germany to to become an engineer. So I'm a mechanical engineer, um, actually. And and during wow. university, maybe that's interesting for for some. Um, I realized I'm, I'm never gonna be a professional mechanical engineer. It's just too repetitive. Um, I I enjoy understanding things, but then really having to repeat the same engineering process over and over again was just too mechanical. Yeah, yeah. if that makes sense. So um, I, I took a look at business, was on my way to become a business consultant, and then I met my co-founders, and we started a business about 10 years, 12 years ago now, um, in software, so a B2B SaaS company, it used to be called HQ Labs, and now they're called the Every Group, and we built that company for about 10 years um, mm. to be, I guess, the number one um, ERP for creative agencies in the, in the German-speaking market, and... Um, had about 40 people in the end and sold the business to a private equity fund in 2021 and immediately decided to go again. And uh, that was a perfect, uh, that's really a dream situation, I guess, for a lot of founders. At least it was for us because then we, we had a bit of capital. Uh, we had the know-how um, how to build um, SaaS. Um, we focused on a similar group of clients, so the ICP somewhat similar. Uh, we had a team. We, we were able to hire back a couple of our, our um, leadership team who went to Silicon Valley for a couple of years or to the Berlin mm -hmm. startup scene. And uh, so that was sort of the perfect moment to, to start again. And um, so, and for myself, I've been doing different things. Started as a developer. So the three of us just huddling around a, a university table and, and, and hacking um, our first code. Fortunately, none of that is left in, in any application okay. that is on LowGate. And then I, I um, was the first one to actually pick up the phone and, and did outbound sales for a while, um, built the first um, cold calling sales team that we had. Then I went into marketing, did performance marketing for a couple of years, um, mm -hmm. built our attribution setup and, and uh, the, the stack that we work with today. And yeah. then I transitioned into the, the CRO role as it was probably meant to be. And, um, and I usually just do team building, um, fundraising. So those are my, my top priorities at the moment. Awesome. Not bad at all. Um, so with your, your founding team right now, it's effectively the same suite of founders from the previous company in AWork. Yeah. There's three of us, uh, my co-founders, Nils, Lucas, and me. And over the years, we, we, we developed into different directions, even though we all started out um, writing code. Um, Lucas is now um, head of product and, and CPO. So he, he really focuses. He, he's the guy with the product vision. All the way down to designing how our confirm buttons look, um, that is all. Uh, that is whole his his vision, and then Niels has has gone more into the the tech and finance combination. Uh, sometimes I get sort of a weird looks when I tell them, well, my co-founder is CFO and he also does a lot of our back-end infrastructure. Uh, <laughs> but that's just his combination of ex expertise. He actually 
that's really what he studied at university and he's been been in that split um, the entire time and i moved into marketing and sales and and that has been yeah. working really well for us because we have different backgrounds yeah. um and different fields of expertise that we we can really focus on without being in each other's way um, and that's just worked really well so yeah lovely very cool so um it really wasn't long then from selling your previous company to then sending up a work how did that all happen yeah that was immediate there was literally no it was the same split second, the same notary appointment, um, because um, we we did a bit of a carve out. Um, so we already we had already started developing a new product with the old company, and um, we we separated part of the team to really work on the new product. And then when the the the, the exit um, really became a, a sort of went into the formal process of, of due diligence and then everything. Um, we did a bit of a carve out, so we carved out the the new product with part of the team uh, in the same moment, and then started the new company from there. So the the idea was already very much in progress uh, when we sold the the first business. That idea, so you were carving out something which had actually already been built. It was something of an MVP. What did that look like at that time? Yeah, so maybe uh, just so that, that that makes sense in sort of the bigger context. So the first product that we built, HQ Labs, was an ERP. So handling financial processes, right? Quotes, yes. um, invoices, time checking, the charge rates, all of that. Very financially oriented um, mm. for creative agencies. And then at some point we realized um, we want to go back to our very roots, which is help teams work better. And especially those teams who are thinking about what work, the, what the work of the future means. Um, more distributed, more remote, um, with less um, strict borders between companies and organizations. So a lot of work sharing going on um, at times where, as is the case nowadays, uh, post-pandemic, our personal lives and our professional lives are just more integrated because we spend more time at home. We just need to make all of that work. And there's no software tool focusing on that and helping those teams work better. So in the end, A-Work is a work management tool. We're in a market with Asana and Monday and ClickUp and all the, the big Silicon Valley players. But we're the ones really focusing on making those new team processes work. And we're focusing again on creatives, consultants, um, all of those people working in, in project business, professional services. Um, so there's a bit of a similarity. We knew the client group. We knew what kind of software tools and what stacks they were using because we've been selling software to them for the last 10 years or so. Um, yeah, so the jump wasn't that big. And then we took all the lessons learned from the from the first business and just started with a very lean product. And we had that product in place. It had the first couple of customers um, on, on the platform when we did the carve-out. So we knew there was an opportunity here. We knew there was a product that could work. We had some initial feedback. And at that point, um, we also had the opportunity to sell the old company, which was not a given. But um, for once, we, we were... A bit lucky. I mean, the end of 2021 was a good place to be if you if you were thinking about selling your company. Um, very very different from today. Um, so that worked well, and then we really we just seized the opportunity. And I guess um, since there's probably a lot of founders on, on listening to us and, and watching us, I guess seizing the opportunity when it's there is just something that has been moving us along over the last years so many times. It's not always that you plan for something to work out exactly the way that you that it works out but sometimes there's this opportunity where things align and then you have to be quick about just you know going for it and that's that's how we ended up carving out that business starting again obviously there's some contractual basis for not competing with our old company and yeah things like that but it worked out really well 
I was actually just going to touch upon that. Um, but then also that private equity crowd that bought out your previous company, were they not looking at what you were doing with A-Work, what became A-Work and said, oh yeah, we want it. We want this. Yeah, absolutely. Although um, for them, they, they have a very specific business model, which I, I, I like that. It was part of the reason why we were looking forward to actually have them on board and to take over the, the old business because they are, they are focusing on um, software niches that are very fragmented. So um, if you've just a bit of a background about that ERP for creatives, in at least in the dark region, there's about 30 or 35 different products on the market. Too many. Um, so even the top ones, and we, we were definitely among the one, one either one or two um, top uh, vendors, um, growth was slow simply because the market was so crowded and they're focusing on that and they are building a group out of the company. So no, no, no. not the every group, I think they've just crossed about 80 people in the group um, mm -hmm. and they're developing that. So they're consolidating the market quite a bit now. And we had to obviously agree to not compete directly with the, the all that financial um, admin and ERP area that we used yeah. to be in. So we, we don't do that. And that was not the goal for us as well. So um, that was fine. And since that is their business model, they don't do any venture case. And AWORK was a, is still um, a traditional venture case. We just yes. closed the Series A round. So we're on a path um, that is very classic SaaS VC orientation. And mm. that was not for them. So let's dive a little bit deeper then into AWORK and that problem that you're tackling. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that and, you know, honing down in on what the problem exactly is and I suppose you, you mentioned competitors are on. Um, why, what is it that they have not addressed that it remains a problem that needs to be addressed by AWR? Right. So um, first things first, what, who, who are our clients? Um, so again, a lot of creative people, um, consultants, architects, web developers who work in project-oriented professional services. That's the me. Okay. <laughs> and... These um, these teams usually are very modern about how they think work should be handled these days. Um, and knowledge work is changing so much, right? So um, as I as I mentioned earlier, we are in a situation where more than ever before we have to juggle between personal organization, um, professional organization, uh, organization ag across team and company boundaries. Um, these things are just changing very quickly. And those changes are mostly ignored by all the existing players in the space. There is no way to integrate, for example, to give a very simple example, how do you integrate your private personal calendar with your work appointments if all of those need to happen at the same time and your project management needs to know when you're available and when you're not without you double booking everything in two calendars and sharing one of them with your family and the other one with your colleagues and the third one maybe with an external partner that you have to handle but still in the end you're supposed to deliver an accurate workload forecast and um, deliver your deadlines on time that is that it doesn't make sense you know we can build tools for that and that's something that a work does we we combine all of these things and then deliver a real professional work management solution um, that is comparable to the to the um, things that that Asana or Monday etc. do, but much more focused on the people that actually need to work with these these tools in the end. Um, yeah. Well, how big is this market that you're going after? Um, so it it really depends on the on the it's these markets are like onions, right? So. It's, the, the the core of it is all the creative agencies on, and consultants of the world. They're sort of the, the core. 
Um, in Europe, there's about 400 to 600,000 of these companies and teams. Um, so that's, that's, that's a bunch, um, more than enough for us to grow. And then if you grow beyond that, not even if you grow um, and, and become more international, but if you grow um, to the slightly larger professional services sector, um, that number triples roughly. So that's a pretty big market. And it's all, it is driven by the trends in new work that we see at the moment and by teams really worrying about how to design a workplace that people don't silently quit from, which is another one of these big trends that we've been seeing over the last months. Um, and it's not just about salaries. It's not just about the, the hard facts of the jobs that people quit. It's about how these teams are organizing. And we, we, um, we do a study once per year. It's called the Work Happiness Report. Um, we actually ask a thousand people in a representative study in, in, in the German-speaking markets what it is that makes them happy at work. And the interesting thing is that one thing that comes back again and again and again, very reliably so, is how to organize personal and professional life at the same time. And teams, how, how do teams react to that? How flexible are they? How, how well organized and managed are they is one of the major drivers of how happy people are in those teams and if they are actually willing to stay. And willing to stay is a nice keyword here because about 70% of all respondents, and this is knowledge work alone, we're not talking about the, the, the industries where people are really stressed. We're talking about creatives, consultants, etc. 70% of them are still thinking actively about quitting their jobs at the moment because they're not happy. And, and, and as just about as many would be willing to give up part of their salary in order to be happier at work, happier. So, so throwing money at the problem is not the way to go because obviously people would rather be just, you know, happier at work. And uh, now how does that, how does that cycle back to, to software and infrastructure. Well, organization in an environment that is changing quickly is one of the key things that you have to have in place. If everything is chaos and your, your tool stack and your, your structure doesn't match the, the communication, we're super flexible that everything is organized and you always know what's going to happen in this creative agency that has stressed people and jobs. Well, if you don't have that in place, then people are just going to remain unhappy and think about quitting. This is really interesting. Um, this point of happiness and, and quiet quitting as well, this trend that we're all seeing and we're all hearing about. So you're actually kind of going, it sounds like a level deeper. You're not just providing a tool. It's almost like you're um, riding a wave uh, of the change that's existing or taking place across this knowledge worker market. And you're saying, okay, it's not just about the tools. It's about the process. It's about the, the, the structure that you have. And here is a tool that fits into how you should be working. Is that is that fair? That is very accurate. And um, for us, we're um, we consider ourselves to be part of the product. So we're trying with AWork. We've um, very consciously decided for how to set up AWork, how to set up our team structure, what rules to introduce. Um, we we leaned heavily on 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 things that. Uh, you probably even know no no rules rules more more intricately than me. So we we copied a couple of things from from Silicon Valley culture that we enjoy, but mm. we mixed that with a couple of the things that we think in in European um, setups work much much better. The way that we handle holidays, vacations, yeah. flexibility, etc. That is much much more up to date 
if you ask me. Sure. So, and we mixed all that and we built a culture out of that. And we consider AWORK as a team, as a company, to be as much the, the solution provider for the tool stack that will help you get there, but also a bit of the inspiration. We hope to be a, a, a model case of how a team can actually grow in these times. It's why we set up the team um, in, a, in a hybrid way. We do mm-hmm. care about the, the head office that we have in, in Hamburg. It's a really nice place to be. It screams A-work whenever you, you enter the place. It's also just a place where it's very nice to spend time. Uh, because we think that is really important for people to meet, um, to build culture there. But we are also a hybrid team. We have people from Brazil all the way to Italy um, and bring them together from time to time, about four times a year. Everybody joins us in Hamburg. Um, mm-hmm. But making all of that work is also something that a lot of companies still struggle with, especially yeah. creative. I, I'm really interested in this topic of um, remote, hybrid, in-office uh, approach. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that and the approach that you've taken with respect to hybrid and also um, what you've seen in other companies that um, maybe does not work or does work and how a work fits into that? Right. So uh, we've, we've experimented with that a bit, um, obviously. So our setup, our setup is um, we're about 35-ish people at the moment. And about 15 to 20 of them are based in and around Hamburg. And for them, um, the, the mix of in of office and, and home office or remote work is usually two days a week at the office and three days a week wherever they want. And one of those two days is, uh, is, is Thursdays. It's a work team day. Everybody's at the office on Thursdays. Now, um, I've had a lot of discussions about that with, with other founders and just people who, who thought that to be strict and... Uh, were asking us about why, why, why do you guys do that? Why do you introduce these rules again? I thought you guys were the new work people who were all about flexibility, etc. But then again, um, hybrid work and remote work is also just a management, right? We're trying to create a structure that in the end is very flexible and very nice for people to work in, but we're also trying to create team culture uh, because that is what drives a lot of our progress. That is what drives development. Mm, that's what drives innovation. And in order to do that, we believe that one shared space that we can spend time in and together is just an important part of that. So we create those instances. We create events where you actually know you come to the office today, you're going to meet everybody. People mm. look forward to that because of it. Um, so that's that's why we introduce rules for that. And for everybody who's remote, uh, we bring them to Hamburg four times a year. Um, once in, in summer for a summer offsite for a couple of days where we really spent a couple of really intense days together for a Christmas party and then two weeks in spring and autumn where we do similar things and um, that also helps but every meeting obviously is is hybrid we invest in the infrastructure we, we um, have some rules for how to handle a hybrid or remote meeting uh, for the setup that is this, that is appropriate um, for that entire experience not to suck because Hybrid meetings um, can be the worst, right? And there's yeah. a couple of things that people just don't care about. For example, a lot of teams allow their hybrid or remotees to join with bad equipment, bad internet, bad microphone, headphones, all of yeah. that. But if you do, then you then I mean you're you're setting that whole thing up to really suck for everybody involved, and we try to really avoid that. So we experiment with tech quite a lot. Um, mm. yeah. um, where where have you seen other companies go wrong when it comes to remote or hybrid? Hmm. 
Um, yeah, so that's one of the things. So um, you really have to, the, these hybrid meetings and settings and, and hybrid projects, they don't, you can't just transfer fully remote or fully on-site projects and processes into that hybrid setting. It takes extra effort. And a lot of companies are just ignoring that or don't want to hear that or aren't willing to put in that extra effort. And if you don't, it's going to fail because the experience is going to be significantly worse than either extreme. Mm. But again, getting back to our report, um, the teams that are the happiest are actually the ones working in a hybrid setup. Interesting. And again, it's about choice. People have the choice to be on site in the office, meet others, share social interaction with their teams, enjoy being in a team that has uh, a shared value setup um, in person. Mm -hmm. But then they also have a, a great flexibility of, of not being there from time to time or taking a workation or whatever. And that flexibility is what makes people so happy at work. And if you want that, if you want your teams to be happy, then you're just going to have to put in the effort. If you don't, it's, it's not a, you know, that doesn't happen um, just automatically. And I think a lot of teams ignore that. And then the, the setup, the tech setup is bad. The infrastructure isn't there. There is no management process ensuring that people actually adhere to that culture. Mm. Because if then some people just ignore it and go fully remote in a setup that is meant to be hybrid, it breaks. So you have to have rules. It's still management. It's still not, you know, it's not kindergarten just because you're hybrid. Um, and the last one is then not investing into the office anymore. Because in that whole setup, you can't then suddenly start ignoring the office and the office setup and the culture that is created on site. So you add complexity to your process and you need to take care uh, to make that work. Can you tell us more about the, the solution? How, you know, if I'm a user of a work, what can I expect when I sign up and when I'm using it on a day-to-day -day basis? Sure. So first of all, you can uh, expect a, a bit the basic work management stack. So you can create projects, invite your team, put them into different organizational units, whatever they may call, maybe call it in, in your team. Uh, you can then use templates to create projects that include tasks and deadlines and milestones. And you can um, create to-do lists and Kanban boards and then the Gantt chart-like uh, timeline, things like that. You can integrate your calendar, you can do time tracking. And, and then once you've integrated your calendar, you can combine all of that. You can uh, open up your, your laptop or whatever on Monday morning open, and you can see your complete calendar overview, be that mm. personal or professional, and you can just drag and drop things from your projects into your weekly schedule to make your week work. And then in the end, you can transform them back into track time, track progress, um, give an update, a status update. So that's that's sort of the, the basic infrastructure that you can expect. And what that combines is professional project management with that whole team scheduling um, aspect and the time track. And that is the perfect combination for these um, professional services and project-oriented teams. Um, in terms of interface and what makes that different from, from, from other tools out in the market, AWORK has remained absolutely brilliantly simple, um, much more so than a lot of the big players um, are at the moment. So if you look at the Asana's Monday's ClickUps, they are going after the enterprise market opportunity. And as a founder and from a business perspective, Kudos, you know what? That's 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 where the big bucks are. That um, sounds like a great opportunity, but from an end user perspective, it just 
I just keep watching them go into complexity wherever they can because they need to handle those large accounts. And by now it shows in, in all of those products, they're just extremely complex. Um, whereas a lot of the introductions of tools, and that doesn't just um, include work management, but all of the modern work tool stack, um, people just over-engineer. People tend to over-engineer their tool stack a lot. They tend to invest in solutions that may be fine 10 years down the road, but currently they just stress their end users. So a lot of these um, introductions and, and a lot of these tool projects, they fail because of complexity still. And AWork just goes against that as much as we can. I love it. Very interesting. Okay, you're taking a really different tack. Um, so then when it comes to product decisions and what you're going to build next, it, it sounds like you shy away from just more features. So how is it that you do make product decisions and, and what is it that, um, how do you decide what will go into the products next based on, uh, what is your sort of philosophy on what should go in next? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we do shy away from just more features. That is, that is um, absolutely correct. And just to, to highlight this year's roadmap, there is one big bet in there that we're going to take um, towards uh, the fourth quarter, I guess, um, which is all about cross-company work sharing. So that's, that's uh, the, the Pandora's box of complexity that we're going to open, um, cross-company permissions management and things like that. So for once, there is a project coming up this year that is going to add complexity to the product and we're going to have to be really, really careful how to slowly introduce that into the, to the entire product. But until then, all, everything that's on the roadmap is just making existing features better, simplifying, um, reworking, refactoring, um, removing friction from the interfaces, uh, finding all the little quirks that, we've, that, that have sort of slipped into the product over, the, over time. Um, finding the exact spots where people break off in their workflows um, and, and what we can do about that in the product. So we're focusing much, much more on improvements in the product than on actually adding complexity and features. That does mean sometimes that there are cases out there that we simply cannot help because we, we don't have the complexity that admittedly, for some cases, especially when you're in very large organizations, you need. Otherwise, they don't work. We know that. Um, and we're very sorry that we can't help those, those, those companies. They're probably better served by Asana. But um, for everybody else, they will have a much smoother experience. And um, how, do we, how do we find these places? We do user testing, very traditional. We have a backlog of all the recommendations and feedbacks from our support staff and, and everything um, that our clients just submit to us. Um, there's literally thousands of little things in, in that backlog. And our product team actually goes through each and every single one of them and puts them into categories and, and then we bundle them by, by product area. So um, at the moment, we're reworking the way we handle task structure. Um, we'll focus on time tracking and the smoothness and speed of it next because there's a couple of things that we want to improve. So we're then bundling them by, by feature area, then, then tackling them over a couple of months and then we'll reorient. It's very cool. Taking more about then that functionality that uh, you're not going after and, and maybe sits outside of a work. Um, does that make you think a bit differently about integrations and integrations being an important part of how a work is going to function in the future? Yeah, they are an important part because, um, and that also, we're a small company, right? We cannot invent the entire office tool stack or whatever Google suite. So, um, things like video conferencing, um, mm the chat tools, so Teams and Slack um, and, and tools like that, they've, they've cracked 
that part of the of the tool stack. It works really well. It wouldn't make any sense for us to try to rebuild yeah. Slack. And then we, we get asked about that a lot. Like, is there a chat in AWork? Well, yeah, even if there were a chat, it would be so much worse than anything that you could do in Slack or Teams. It just doesn't make any sense at all. But then again, we'll have to integrate with those tools in a very, very convenient way. For example, um, to take the Slack or Teams example, we have a bi-directional integration there. So you can actually create tasks, add comments, start time tracking and things like that directly from your Slack channels um, and, and vice versa. So um, integrations like that make a lot of sense. What we don't do is build a huge catalog of very superficial integrations. Because again, we think that just adds friction. It suggests that we are very, very much in line with all of those products on the integrations list. But usually it's just some very basic show some data kind of integration. We don't do those usually. We have done deep integrations that work really well and that sort of create this ecosystem of, of um, what you need to organize a modern team. With your customers that you have right now, how do you, um, how, how long do they tend to hang around? You know, and what is the typical size of these accounts? A while. Um, the typical size, so um, the average client has about 10 users. Um, that's that's the average uh, with a very long tail of, of smaller teams, obviously. And then the largest teams that we handle have thousands of users, actually. So those are really the largest ones that we have. Anything between 10 and 100 is exactly the sweet spot that we, yep. that we focus on. Um, up to 500 is still very fine. And beyond that is special case. And they tend to stick around for, I mean, we're not that old, right? So we have clients who joined in the first months. Um, they, they're still here. Churn is really low. If you look at typical SaaS metrics, um, especially net churn is, is mm -hmm. has been negative since since we started. So we're the portfolio is growing um, much more than, than people are, are leaving again. If people leave, then those are usually single user use cases. Uh, we don't have them at the moment. Um, you can, if you love A-Work, you can use it, you know, on your own. But in the end, we're t still a tool for organizing teams and all of that scheduling, etc., is something that only makes sense once you have three people in an A-Work workspace. Otherwise, all those features are there and mm -hmm. they add complexity, which is exactly what we don't want in a place where you won't need it. So a lot of freelancers join, they try out A-Work, they love the interface, but then they come back to us and tell us it's too complex, guys. And we agree. Yeah. So um, sad, sad to see them go, but but we agree. And that's something that might change going forward. So that is one part of the 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 product um, that we're going to address, um, re-evaluating, sharing, um, integrating externals, um, service providers, freelancers, et cetera, is something that we're going to revisit. How do you go about acquiring your customers? We're really performance marketing driven, which um, sometimes seems unusual because a lot of um, tools in our space um, are very proud of being completely product driven. But to be honest, our space is really competitive and yep. um, our competitors, they, they do have marketing powers that we just cannot match. So we have to be clever in some spaces. And to be honest, performance marketing is one of them. We're really good at that. We're really good at um, uh, marketing attribution. We really know, know what channels work. We have a very early scoring system for leads that we that we buy from those channels. Um, so currently about 80% of our business is performance marketing driven. It can't stay that way forever because that's a lot of budget that we, that we invest. Um, but that's, that's how it works um, at the moment. And then they sign up for a free trial. There's a 14 day free trial. So anybody who wants to try out a work, do go ahead. And, um, if anybody wants to, they can get into contact with our sales team and then we help them on board, um, find the value in a work. 
sort of very traditional free trial SaaS process that we have. I was just going to touch on that. Um, so if you're not necessarily going after the enterprise clients, you know, enterprise clients is typically where you need that big sales team, business development team, yeah. you know, the whole works. Um, yeah. Your sales team, do you see that growing out, still going after that same sort of typical um, license base? Or is that going to change in time as you, uh, you know, draw down the performance marketing? Yeah, I think our sales team just um, has different priorities or a different amount of, of, of interaction with every lead that comes in. So um, at the moment, we do have about 3,000 leads coming in every month. So that's a, that's a large number. And we do have three people in sales. So they can only cover a very short, uh, a very, very small percentage of um, the, the inflow that we have in terms of leads. Um, and they do that very routinely. So there are a couple of questions that just sometimes our clients want to talk about. They want to have an opinion. They want to have a quick chat about their setup in A-Work, if that is best practice or not. So these are 30 minutes, maybe 60 minute calls that help our users a lot to understand A-Work at a moment where they're trying to decide if this is the tool they want to stick to, um, stick with for the next years. But they're not in-depth sales interactions where we follow up a ton of times and then analyze the entire buying center and then and, and sort of do all that uh, because usually to be honest we don't have to which is a great thing so our funnel is very low touch even though there is an element of sales involved and i think that does make a lot of sense i think some smb focused software companies ignore that too much because the, the usual wisdom out there is uh, if you're below the 1,000 euro MRR or $1,000 MRR ticket, um, don't invest in that part of the process because it's a waste of money anyways. Um, but I think they're wrong to some degree because if you standardize the personal interaction um, as much as we do, you still add a lot of value and conversion rate increases so much because people just find the product easier um, that it's absolutely worth it. With so will that function grow? Yes, but only with lead inflow. Based on then um, the amount of leads that this team is getting, uh, they can't get through all those uh, potential customers. So how do no way. how do they make decisions then as to who they should talk to as opposed to who to you know send on just an email or a, or an ebook? We score our leads. Um, so there's um, when people sign up to a work, we 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 give them a score based on all the information that we have. Uh, that can be. Is this a business email address? Is it a mobile phone or a desktop sign up? Things like that. But also yeah. things that um, information people leave us uh, while signing up. Do they actually want to get into contact? Um, things like that. And we develop the score. Um, and uh, based on that score, we can rank the leads by priority. Based on do they actually want to get in touch? How large are they? Are they from an industry where we know they sometimes need help um, getting their, their processes set up um, at the beginning? Um, and, and we just create a ranking and then we, we try to get as far down the list as we can um, and as, as far as it makes sense. Because for one, two, three user use cases, they don't need our personal help because A-Work is really simple for them to set up. And also it would make sense for us financially. You've recently raised uh, quite a bit of money. Can you talk just a little bit about that and then what your plans are with that investment? Yep. Yeah, we just raised a, a 5 million euro Series A. Um, very happy about that. Uh, it's not a given these days, um, in, especially in, in, a, in a crowded SaaS space. Uh, a lot of VCs have become very careful, um, which is uh, which has just dragged this process out for us as well. Maybe that's helpful for, I see. for some, some of the people still fundraising out there to hear. Um, we kept at it for about six months. Um, 
and and that's fine. I guess that's that's part of the deal. Uh, part of the deal if if you're in fundraising, um, especially for Series A at the moment. Um, we found really cool partners. A French fund, high enough is the lead investor, and the Swiss fund um, as a co-investor, um, driving that European expansion. So for this year, I think we're still going to be focused on on, on the Dach region with a couple of experiments left and right. Um, but then beyond that, European expansion is on the on the roadmap, and um, that is how we're trying to build the team at the moment. That is how we're building the infrastructure and and everything that that goes with it, and that's one of the focus uh, focus areas for the for the next years. Excellent. Um, it, are you able to share a uh, post money valuation, or is that not uh, public? Uh, we didn't make it public. Okay, fair enough. I had to ask. Um, and so then with this uh, this investment, you're going to be growing out the team. If anybody is watching this and uh, they're interested, very interested in your product and what you're doing, uh, where what sort of roles are going to be opening up over the next uh, 12 months or so? Yeah, very different functions. I think we have about 15 or 18 positions open at the moment. Um, they're all on the website, avert.io slash jobs. Um, and uh, some of the interesting, the most interesting ones, we have a very... Um, I'd love to do the job. There's a growth marketing mm -hmm. position open that will get um, their own team based, uh, consisting of a, there's a growth engineer, a UX designer, performance marketing, and then somebody sort of coordinating those growth projects all the way from the ad funnel to the in-product um, experience people have when they first sign up to really get into that whole growth process. I think that's a really interesting one. Then connected to that, there's um, UX design and growth engineering open. We have developer positions open. If you're if you're an Angular um, a specialist, do do check those out. They're really interesting as well. Um, we do hire in sales, so there's an executive, an account executive position open. Um, yeah, really different different areas. A brand design is still open, which is also super interesting because we are a pretty um, design focused brand. Uh, also a fun one. We don't take things all too seriously. So um, that might be fun. Uh, yeah, all of those. Very cool. And then are there any sort of partnerships that you're looking for at the moment to, to help grow out the business? And with partnerships, you mean... Um, in... Whether it's integrations or whether it says you're looking to expand in terms of your footprint or with customer base. Um, yeah. yeah, any other partnerships that you're looking for in that side? So what we're what we actually have a, a structured program for is is people who are consulting in those areas. Um, so people who are consulting in team organization, especially with a focus on new work practice or just new forms of organization, mm. uh, we love to partner with people who really help teams update their structure, their organizational structure, um, in in any way possible. And those are the the, the best partnerships because then. Um, at the same time, they can introduce a tool set that matches those ideas and we can provide best practice to them so we can actually also upgrade their consulting services. So those are always nice partnerships that we that we actually have a structured program for. But anybody else who's interested in the, in that field of team organization is, is welcome to just, you know, send me a message. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. <laughs> Brilliant. Toby, um, I think I've asked everything that I had on my mind. Is there anything that I haven't touched on that you're saying? God, I wish Nick had just asked this or there's something that you wanted to send out to the world. That was pretty comprehensive. Um, I think I'm good. We touched all bases. No, thank you very much, Toby. It was a real pleasure. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you do now over the next uh, 12 months, 24 months and where the, the, the platform, the tool is going to go uh, and seeing how you're going to be changing how people work 
Um, so yeah, thank you so much for jumping on the call. And uh, I, I hope we get to chat again soon. Thanks, mate. <laughs> yeah, we're going to